Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for. So as you're hearing programming here on Cannabis Radio, specifically Blunt Business and Grassroots Marketing, you might have already heard the recent information now from a Congressional Research Service report that the Drug Enforcement Administration, DEA, is likely to follow the Department of Health and Human Services recommendation. The FDA's recommendation, a whole lot of government acronyms all over the place. The recommendation to move cannabis from Schedule 1 to Schedule 3 under the Controlled Substances Act. And according to the report, the DEA confirmed in a 2020 congressional hearing that it will be bound by the FDA's recommendation. And if passed as prologue, it could be likely that the DEA will reschedule marijuana under the HHS's recommendation. So everything would be lockstep to make that possible. And we've already talked about here on Blunt Business and Grassroots Marketing about one of the major factors is going to be significantly different from this scheduling. It's not going to change anything about dispensing the product or how it's being distributed or provided people still need to go through the proper channels for medical marijuana, get their card or dispensaries. There's still, you have to be in certain States where medical or adult have available cannabis. But one of the things from a financial standpoint, business standpoint is companies are no longer going to be subjected to the IRS tax code section 280 E restrictions. So luck of the draw, I have someone here to go ahead and, I can speak specifically about that. My guest has a, a very extensive accounting and financial background. He advocates for the cannabis industry as a virtual CFO, helping guide cannabis operators down the path of profitability through dynamic forecasting, understanding KPIs, key performance indicators, and profit-focused accounting. I'm here with the founder of vir the virtual CFO of Summit Virtual CFO by Anders, Guillermo Rodriguez. Guillermo, thanks for being on. Thank you, Brasco. Yep, I'm one of the virtual CFO here at uh, Summit uh, Virtual CFO by Anders. And um, yeah, uh, as you mentioned there, as a virtual CFO, this is probably the one industry that you cannot be a, a, a CFO to the industry and not keep up with regulations or in some kind of way be pushing things forward. You know, and this is a really big one. I mean, I, I think the two main things are, are safe banking and 280E. But if you were to ask me, 280E is really by far the biggest one. So I think this even caught me by surprise and how quickly things are moving and how this came out. Um, the industry is really pushing for a complete uh, descheduling, right? And, um, you know, I, while I agree with that, of course, descheduling is the goal. Moving from one to three is huge. I mean, just from a cash uh, money standpoint for an operator to achieve profitability, this would be a huge, huge uh, uh, opportunity and, and something that really puts the industry on par with with other industries, at least just from a tax standpoint. Um, and so just to break down uh, some numbers and how some of this could look is we all know that 280E essentially means that, for example, a cannabis retailer is taxed on essentially gross margin because 280E says you cannot deduct overhead expenses, but you can offset taxable income uh, 
by reducing cost of goods sold, which is really a, a return of capital, your inventory. So if you break down all that language, what you're essentially saying for retailers, you're taxed on gross margin. Retailers are typically doing in the tougher markets, 30%, 50% gross margin is probably the highest that we see. And so if you see an overhead number, overhead number, uh, typically somewhere around 25 to 30%. So a retailer that is profitable and last year, maybe about a third of all retailers were profitable. You're doing about 20% uh, net income before tax. But if you apply 280E, even for a retailer that's doing 40 50% margin, a very healthy overhead, you're really left with no income. And so you, you look at price compression on top of this and 280E, it becomes very difficult for a retailer or any cannabis business to be profitable. And so you're essentially, um, I ran some numbers and let's just say you're a, a retailer doing about 10 to 12 million in annual revenue. Mm -hmm. Depending on your tax rate, let's just say it's 20% or it could be as high as 40%. Depends where you fall. I mean, you're for a $10 million retail and annual revenue, you're looking at a period of five years, anywhere from three to 6 million in additional cash flow as a result of 280E. And so in terms of what you're able to, to do in the business um, from a planning standpoint, I think this really takes the cannabis industry from a survival mode um, into more thriving. And so where many of our operators can now thrive and start to build cash flow, to build momentum uh, in the industry. Because as we've seen, it's been, it's been a struggle and a lot of operators have been uh, essentially surviving from raising additional capital. Capital is starting to become more difficult as investors are becoming aware of the difficulty of achieving profitability. And so a lot of the emotional investing is no longer there. And so we're really getting to a point now where it's going to be possible for many more operators to become profitable in the current environment. So now there's a number of things that could be untangled as a result with section uh, IRC section 280E being removed and no longer being deemed for cannabis businesses. And I want to take from a story from crow.com, C-R-O-W-E, that if the scheduling does happen, which could happen as early as the right before the 2024 presidential election, that's where they're looking at the time frame could be as, as late as that. But the process is looking in place and reports are already saying that the DEA is likely to follow the FDA, the HHS, all those governing bodies are going to go forward with it. But now specifically mm -hmm. in this, Guillermo, they want to say that with the reclassification to Schedule 3, cannabis businesses would remain subject to 280E and need to meet their federal until it's then they're still requiring 280E to be affected on their businesses. And that Many cannabis, cannabis businesses have complex legal entity structures, eliminating the effect of 280E would allow businesses to rationalize and simplify the structures. What would that mean in terms of the legalities? Is it just where on top of the fact of the tax revenue that's going to be collected back to them, that's going to go back to them, is it also just part of what was needed in a legal structure in order to be able to operate? Sure. And so... When operating a cannabis business, um, you want to be, you know, of course, careful not to 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 mix uh, maybe a non-cannabis business that could then be subject to 280E. But at the end of the day, um, there's no there was no real way of getting out of 
the burden of 280E by simply restructuring or uh, uh, creating an entity structure that separates out a part of the cannabis business and so forth. So from that standpoint, I, I see it as not having um, so much effect. It may be for operators that have maybe developed some kind of structure to get around the, the effect of 280E, but that tax, that piece of the tax code is so simple. It's one paragraph and it was written like that on purpose so that the government could apply it very simply. And so there really wasn't no, no way around it. But I think to your second point, and the timing of it. And and I agree with you that this route, rather than going through Congress, uh, a lot more governmental uh, bodies involved. There's there, It's a long, much longer process and it could take much longer rather than just going straight to Congress. So it's still uh, promising. Uh, a path is a path. So as long as we get there, right? But um, 280E would essentially go away in the year of the rescheduling. So not likely this year, like you said, best case scenario would be at the at the end of next year. So right. in the year in which it goes to effect, that is when uh, 280E would go away for that taxpayer. Now, the other thing about um, planning for this is that as a uh, virtual CFO, we work with our clients to plan for cash planning. And you want to be able to set apart the cash to pay your taxes quarterly, I would say even next year. Uh, assuming that 280 is still in effect, because the last thing you want to do is get to the end of the year and you have a big surprise and you haven't you haven't set aside the cash to be able to pay for those taxes, um, especially if you have investors. And so it's right. it's important to continue to plan uh, around this, uh, maybe mm-hmm. in the worst case scenario, but always be setting apart those taxes based on your tax rate wherever you may fall. If your corporation, you know, somewhere around 21 percent, but if it's a flow through entity and you're you have a higher tax rate. You want to save and set that cash aside to plan for that. And that's and even if you do get when that's finally in place, that's not until the 2025 tax period anyway. I mean, until the time you have to file in 2025, will we be all said and done, hopefully removed from the Section 280 issue? So there are the deductions and are the credits that can be made that any other business can be able to do for all this time. Now, on top of that, I would also imagine that policymakers, they would go ahead and they could probably now go ahead and go do something with the Safe Banking Act, restructure it no, with Section 280 no longer applying at that point. They could probably bring down a little more simplified, a little more broken down plan and see if that can pass through Congress, which could be another thing that could happen. Plus a change of, you know, congr- Congress, uh, congressional officials, the switch around to that and the president could also make a difference on seeing where more relief comes to cannabis by that time period. But this first step is a, is a building block on. Now, the other thing is, is that cannabis business, cannabis businesses without the evaluate the financial statement impact of no longer being subjected. And the, on the effect of a business's income tax provision could be significant. Deferred tax assets and liabilities would be considered once they are no longer subjected. And any accounting method changes would need to be accounted for and treated properly for financial statement purposes. So from the accounting standpoint, from the virtual CFO standpoint, what changes would need to be prepared to switch over to no longer dealing with Section 280E? The the main thing would be is, uh, you know, there there is a positive of 280E, and <laughs> that is that uh, in order to apply um, an offset of cost of goods sold to, to be able to offset uh, some cost is that uh, cannabis companies must use accrual accounting or gap accounting. Um, 
as opposed to a cash basis method. And so if if a if a cannabis operator were already doing this correctly, the nice thing is that they're already set up with uh, proper accrual accounting to to move forward in this. And so that is another uh, big piece about working with a uh, a virtual CFO is that uh, especially for tax purposes is that you have to monitor uh, financials and issue financials monthly based on gap. And so hopefully for the majority of, of um, operators, there's not a big change uh, because you're already doing that. But uh, if there if there is, there need to be uh, some kind of adjustment there. Um, but I, I would say the main thing is just simply um, the cash that's going to be set aside, you know, um, and it'll save a lot of time in terms of the monthly cost accounting that operators have to do just to be able to comply with uh, with 280 at the at the current time. So, again, it just eliminates a lot of uh, time and burden that most operators have to deal with and cost as well. And to be able to focus on the business, to be able to focus on profitability, and that's what we've been trying to do as virtual CFOs is work with our clients to to get out of kind of the burdens of all this, you know, regulation to be able to focus on profitability and say, well, how do we increase our gross margin? Um, how do we increase our sales, um, understanding the consumers to be able to operate and be profitable in such a competitive market? Most states are. And now when you talk about the cash is going to be set aside from the standpoint of being a virtual CFO, this is extra revenue now that no longer goes to the government, this money can be utilized and appropriated for other things or just put as profit. So what I want to go and find out now is what happens what, when you were able to go and get that kind of money, how significant is that difference when it comes to it? And then what would be some of the ideas that you would probably do to be able to go and get that? Because uh, I'm going through a study from a Vermont legislature to put out a report about how, you know, looking at tax filings for those under the 280E clause now we have. So they're talking about one uh, tax filing from a medical cannabis business in Denver. This is from uh, 2013. They talk about gross receipts, $776,000, uh, deducted $435,000 in cost of goods sold, gross income, $340,000. And, but the thing was, it was disallowed under 280E. So like there's just a business like that the amount of money you're going to get back now that no longer have to go to income taxes. How significant can that be for a business and what can you really do with it? Yeah. So we um, have a pretty prescriptive approach. You know, that's one of the big things our, our clients come to uh, as a virtual CFO is how do I think about cash? How do I manage cash? How do I build cash? Right. So that's what we work on. And, and the main question there is um, an operator wants to know how much cash do I need to keep? on hand? What, what's the size of the balances? And uh, how do I separate out that cash to pay for taxes or for payroll? And we've set targets of anywhere from 10% to 30% of revenue. So if you're a cannabis company doing a million dollars in revenue, uh, we'd say you need to have between 100000 and 300000 in cash available for operations. Now that doesn't include your taxes. And so prior to this, I think, you know, the average operator would probably say, well, that's difficult to get to. I mean, that's really tough, um, and which it is. But this will then allow um, 
operators to get to that point where you can build anywhere from 10 to 30% of your annualized revenue in cash. And now that that number that that we come up with, it's it's not just a number really, if you look, if, if we want to really kind of dig into the details, we just kind of keep it simple like that so folks can understand and our clients can understand. But um, we look at the average uh, cash cycle, you know, for, for a client. And um, it has to do with, uh, for retailer inventory, how many days do you have your inventory? How long does it take you to, to pay your, your vendors? And then your sales, of course, your sales cycle. And so all that tells us that, okay, how much cash does this represent? Does it represent a month of cash, two months of cash, if we were to go out of business or stop sales tomorrow? And so that's what we essentially will target is to, to be able to come up with a healthy cash number so that the client can sleep at night. So they can say, okay, I have three to four months of cash, you know, and then we help with forecasting, we develop a forecast. So there's more certainty around the business and you can properly plan rather than just, uh, you know, your cash balance is down. You don't uh, know what to do or you're in a scurry trying to raise capital to keep the business going forward. So that's what we try to do. We try to look forward uh, in, in regards of cash planning uh, with the clients to be able to make better decisions about the business. And, and we do this through what we call dynamic forecasting. It's not budgeting. It's something that we update every month with the client to be able to to advise uh, monthly. Like one one example of this would be like, we get the question, well, how accurate is your forecast? And um, of course, market fluctuates, but it's it's not so much that we hit the number every time. It's that we're able to tell the client Okay, based on the site, the, the square footage you have in your facility, the people that you have now, this is what you can achieve and given the market in your particular state. And then they say, okay, well, I want to get here. And then we say, okay, well, to get there, this is what you need to do. Um, and we advise on that. Now, to bring more certainty into that forecast, um, we look at different areas, but one example is um, the customer metrics. How is customer retention? We know that the average uh, cannabis consumer uh, is buying based on price, right? So customer retention is a big issue right now. And that's those are the types of metrics we'd look with our clients say like, look, hey, your revenue, your customer retention is improving or it's not improving or this is how solid this forecast is because you, know, you have very low customer retention. Um, and then we'd look for ways to improve that um, as an example. And so I think that's what it could really do for the cannabis industry. It gets you to that point. We have additional cash. You can build cash. You have more certainty now um, if you're use, if you're forecasting and you're able to build a plan to move the business forward. And just to be clear, the fact that this 280E internal revenue code is a federal and there's nothing in the state level that would help alleviate of any taxes from there. It's just on the federal level. That's correct. And yeah, Brasco, in most states um, that do have a state income tax have um, passed laws like California, right? Uh, at some point, you know, they had a state income tax that was subject to 280E. But even in states that have a state income tax, they have passed some type of relief so that 280E doesn't apply to a legal um, operator. So yeah, at the federal level, this would not um, impact anything at the state level. But uh, luckily, many of the states have already passed some kind of uh, tax relief for their particular state income tax. 
The other big challenge is, you know, excise taxes and the various local taxes that operators deal with that are passed on to the consumer that makes the price of the product much higher in the consumer's eyes and and then, uh, you know, is basically contributing to price compression where consumers are trying to shop the cheapest or shopping in the illicit, in the illicit market. And so we still got those problems to deal with, but at least from a, from a federal tax, it's a huge number. Now I want to go ahead and go into the fact of how, what brought you into the, in here to an interview with us today was the fact that you represent summit virtual CFO by Anders. Uh, you get the work for cannabis business is will be able to work with a virtual CFO dedicated and a team of accountants, CPAs, tax professional to help, your business accelerate growth, navigate change, and achieve success. And especially if you don't have the 280 tax code to worry about anymore, you have a lot more money to go work with. And you're focused on growth. You have various services. While we send people to the website, anderscpa.com, A-N-D-E-R-S-C-P-A.com, take people into the website and really just let the business owners know what you provide. One one of the things that makes us really unique and and I think our, our clients love is that we use a subscription-based model. And so if you look at our services and go to our website, we do the traditional uh, tax work, accounting work, um, but we, we separate all the services out into, you know, you want us to reconcile your credit cards or your, your bank statements, want us to do payables or receivables. Clients are able to come in and choose... Um, what services they want and don't want so they can really customize uh, the service to what they need and minimize the cost as well. And what sits on top of that is what we've been talking about today is the advisory service where we go in and build a, a dynamic forecast. We monitor metrics and develop metrics and develop a dashboard, um, manage banking relationships, really focus on strategic thinking and initiatives with the client. Um and the pricing is fixed. And so uh, many times a client will say, hey, I hired someone to do this piece and we'll go ahead and take that off. Or maybe somebody quits uh, that was doing their accounts receivable. That's a bad example in retail, but let's just say payables. Um, well, then we'll we'll go ahead and add that service back in. But it's very transparent. That's something that I think I love for the cannabis industry. And I wouldn't do it any other way is that the pricing of the services is transparent. And we focus on profitability. We focus on looking forward um, and what's next to get you to get the understand really the client's goals. It's not really it's not about us or where we think you should be. It's about where the client uh, wants to go and take the business and what their personal goals are. And so that's that's what we help with. And uh, the pricing structure is very transparent. And you could even go to our website and kind of look at pricing before you know we even you know you think about you know, having a conversation or something like that. Fantastic. Really do appreciate you taking time out to go ahead and really give clarity as to the. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouthwatering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.